Welcome to Habits for your Happily Ever After, where we get clear about your marriage communication. Because when your relationships are strong, you're able to concentrate at work, reduce conflict at home, and receive support for your dreams so that you have the courage to live your best life. I'm Rebecca Mullen, a relationship coach living in Western Colorado, and today we'll talk about how to own the pleasure you want to feel. We'll talk about why it's critical for your relationship that you become responsible for your own orgasm. You'll get two habits to practice to help you identify what brings you pleasure, and I'll offer you a quick-paced date night discussion that will make you laugh about having different desires. How do you own your orgasm? Do you remember the scene in Titanic when Rose and Jack are in the car and Rose says, put your hands on me, Jack? A clear and seductive demand, right? Young girls are taught to be good. Don't be demanding. Sit quietly and serve others. These girls are encouraged to defer their desire for the sake of others' happiness. Since the Me Too movement, I notice a new reticence on the part of male clients who come to my office. They're hesitant to own their desire because they truly don't want to hurt the women they love. What happens when you don't feel comfortable in your sensual body? You can't own your orgasm, or for that matter, you can't feel any deep pleasure. But would you agree that it's magnetic to be with someone who knows precisely, exactly, definitively what they want and they reach for it, that's powerful and sexy. One of the fastest ways to find the corridor of your sweetheart's pleasure is to focus on your own pleasure. (laughs) Rose knew precisely what she was giving up, her place in society. She knew exactly what she wanted, to believe in the honesty and integrity of the person in front of her. And as a result, her body said definitively, I want your hands on my body. This is the kind of clarity that allows you to live your unique life. And when you live your own life, you invite everyone around you to do the same. But we defer our desire. We defer our desire because we're confused. We defer our desire because we worry what others will think of us and will no longer belong to the herd. We defer our desire because we're terrified of the vulnerability inherent in getting what we want. In this episode, we'll talk about these three, confusion, the herd mentality, and the vulnerability of pleasure. If you're struggling to own your own desire and truly receive the pleasure you crave, you are not alone. There are two things that will help you own your own orgasm, wanting and receiving. You can't feel pleasure if you don't know what you want. First comes the wanting, then comes the receiving. To illustrate how your desire hides from you, I'm going to tell you a story. It's not a story about an orgasm. I'm inviting you to practice with lesser desires and practice where the stakes aren't so dramatic. But getting good at receiving pleasure of any kind will help you in bed, I promise. 
Recently, I had a client text me after we'd had a session about opening to her desire. I'd been coaching her to notice her desires, and her text came, and I could feel the frantic panic as I opened the text. I'm terrified, she said. I want to escape my family. I don't want the life I have. Please tell me this is not my true desire. As with every text I receive like this, my first response is, take three deep breaths. After you've allowed your breath to calm you, text me back what just happened to make you text me. (sighs) The return text came five minutes later, so I knew she'd taken time to calm herself before responding. I just got out of the bathtub where I was asking myself what I want, and I was overwhelmed by the flood of desires that poured in. I want out. I want time to myself. I don't want to be touched by anyone ever again. I want to have an hour to myself to focus on nothing but myself. I want out. I want out. I want out. Have you ever felt this way? This panic surge of wants that terrify you? My return text. Tell me about the temperature of the water. Was it hot enough to make you sweat? How hot do you like the water in your bath? What do you like in the water, salt or bubbles? (laughs) But I could tell I'd made her angry with my question. She didn't feel like I was taking her seriously. Did you hear what I said? I'm about to leave this marriage. I've worked so hard to create. And again, I texted back, why did you take the bath? I ask this question to penetrate the confusion she's feeling in this precise moment. She has this noise of a lifetime ringing in her ears, but a bath is a sensual experience. Her brain was spinning, and as a result, there was no clarity between her thought, I want to take a bath, and her body, I am experiencing a bath. Confusion. She wasn't letting her body experience the bath her brain had designed for her. She's frustrated with me as she texts, I'm desperate for a break. And I text back, but it doesn't sound like you gave yourself a break. It sounds like you went into the bathroom, ran a tub of hot water, then climbed in to soak in your fears. Silence. Eventually the return text came. You're right. How am I ever going to get the break I want. I invited her to start over, run the water again, fill the tub again. And then we had a flurry of texts back and forth about the ridiculousness of filling an entire bathtub for the second time. But after I said, did your body have a bath or did you just go through the motions? She agreed to try again. This time, put your hand under the running water and notice the temperature. Is the water too hot? Not warm enough? Keep dialing in the temperature until it is precisely, exactly, definitively the perfect temperature for you. This is no one's bath but yours. You dictate the temperature. After a long while, she texted me back. I didn't realize I liked such a tepid bath temperature. I started out super hot because everyone says, I wish I could take a hot bath. So I kept turning up the temp. But as I noticed, texts my client, I kept hearing the message, too hot, too hot, too hot, still too hot. 
Finally, the temperature was cool enough to cool me off. I felt refreshed, calm, soothed. And would you believe it, Rebecca? I wanted to get out of that bath and join my family at the dinner table. I actually looked into my husband's eyes and told him I love our life. That's what happens when you tune into your pleasure. Later, I heard from her that when she and her husband made love that night, she was able to feel both the physical pleasure of her body and the emotional intimacy of the moment with this person she loved so much. Previously, she'd only been able to feel one or the other, but not both simultaneously. See what happens when you start out confused? My client wanted to exit the pressures of parenting, but while in the bath, rather than exiting, she just soaked in everything that made her want the bath in the first place, rather than letting the cooling water refresh her. She was also influenced by the herd. She was told that hot baths are the things she's supposed to desire. She listened to that herd because we all want to belong, but her unique desire in this one particular case was different than the herd. Instead of hot water, she preferred cool. Finally, she was afraid of the vulnerability that pleasure brings. When we sink into our pleasure, we are sinking into the life that we have at the present moment. And it can be terrifying to realize how much you actually want the life you have. Intimacy is so revealing, so private, so naked. And then what if you realize you have what you want and then you lose it? Will my sweetheart reject my deepest desires? Will my sweetheart scoff at me, disapprove of me, abandon me? To keep ourselves from this naked truth of having precisely, exactly, definitively the life we want, we float above the truth of our desire. We exit to take the bath, but we don't let the cooling temperature of the water penetrate our skin. We think this will defer the pain of what we worry might happen when we're vulnerable, the scoffing, the disapproval, the abandonment. But owning your own orgasm, truly owning, skin deep, the pleasures of your desire means risking so much. So, of course, you don't let yourself feel that desire penetrate. But here's my question. What is it costing you to keep pleasure at bay? What does it cost you to be constantly confused? Are you truly a member of the herd if you can't be yourself while you're there? Is it possible to sense real pleasure if you close the door on the vulnerability of a desire? This is what you're risking. If you want to own your orgasm, it may not be worth it to you right now to take that risk. So be patient with yourself. Let yourself off the hook. Instead of owning your orgasm right now, perhaps you just want to own your ambivalence and keep desire and the vulnerability of that at bay for a bit. If you just want to feel your own bathtub water temperature, that's okay. You'll know when you're ready for your desire. And when you're ready, your desire will be waiting for you. If you're ready now, Keep listening to this week's habit so you can open yourself up to your deepest desires. 
you stayed. Welcome. Welcome to Quenching Your Desire. This week's habit for your happily ever after is to notice your desire. Just like my client in the bathtub, we're going to practice noticing what you want. We're not going to leap into bed with our orgasm. We're going to test the waters where the stakes aren't so high. We're going to notice how do you handle confusion. We're going to notice how you respond to all those hurt pressures. And next week, we will notice how you defer pleasure to avoid the fear of all that vulnerability. So let's take confusion first. Think of a time that you felt like my client in the bathtub, soaking in your own confusing soup of conflicting desires. Bring your body into that memory moment. Notice where that confusion is located in your body. Is your head hurting or spinning? Is your throat tight or sore? Is your stomach churning or heavy? Where do you feel this confusion in your body? Now, place your hand on this part of your body and take three deep breaths. Inhale. Inhale all the way down your back into your back body. And as you take your next breath, expand your low back, letting your breath swirl around your sacrum. Take one more breath and feel that sea of confusion calm ever so slightly. Now bring your attention to a sensual pleasure. My client used the temperature of the water, dialing down the heat each time she tuned into her desire. But perhaps for you, it's the weight of a blanket on your lap. And you're noticing the position that's most comfortable for you. Do you like your legs crossed or uncrossed? The blanket pulled up to your nose or only just covering your legs. Maybe your sensual pleasure is watching the flame of a candle, the scent, the wobble of the fire. Maybe your sensual pleasure is knitting or holding a warm mug in your hand or tossing basketball after basketball at the net above you. You will know you're experimenting with a sensual pleasure if one or more of these four senses are engaged. Touch sight, sound, or smell. I don't use taste to wake up your desire because anything that you ingest into your system can change your biochemistry and add to the confusion. So just focus on those four sense desires, or four senses. So just focus on those four senses. Adjust your behavior with the basketball or the position of the blanket ever so slightly, and notice, truly notice if you like it better or not. Then adjust again. And notice again. Keep adjusting until you feel your body say, yes, this is just what I wanted. Then notice how the weight of the confusion has lifted, even if it's ever so slightly, or perhaps the entire weight of your confusion is gone. This is what happens when you have sensual engagement. You're interacting with the physical world, with your physical body to calm your mental state. The more you do this, the more ownership you have of your own orgasmic pleasure. If this feels tedious to you, I want you to stop and ask yourself how many fights you've had with your sweetheart because you haven't received what you want. Getting what you want begins with knowing 
precisely, exactly, definitively what you want. With all the messages you're fed in the world, tuning into your unique desire takes time and attention. No one was telling my client, go take a lukewarm bath and refresh and calm yourself. She had to discover that for herself. But discovering her true desire in the bathtub led to opening herself to sexual pleasure later that evening. So I want to know, what sensual pleasure help you to notice your desire? Tell me about your process. Tell me about how you're figuring it out. Text me at 970-210-4480 and start the sentence, you know what I really want? And then tell me what it is. Because addressing the confusion aspect of this habit to own your own orgasm is challenging. This might be enough for you right now. Feel free to pause this podcast and come back later when you'd like to explore the herd aspect of this habit for your happily ever after. Did you pause? Are you back? Or are you just still here? Let's look at the next impediment to owning your orgasm. The herd and your desperate need to belong. Remember my client in the bathtub? She kept making her bath hotter and hotter because she'd heard from the herd that a hot bath would be nurturing. She thought she should want a hot bath. But that's not what her body told her. As you continue to experiment with sensual engagement, notice how your specific desire is different from your sweethearts or from your friends, from the herd. Allow yourself to notice your preferences and practice by substituting I want instead of what do we want? So instead of we like spicy food, allow yourself to notice, well, actually, I like a tamer taste. You don't need to change your menu right now or what you have planned for the week's meals. Simply notice how your desire differs from your sweetheart's desire. Instead of, what do we want to watch tonight? Allow yourself to notice, actually, I want to watch. You don't need to change the program or get in a big conversation. Just simply notice how your desire differs from your sweetheart. It often helps to practice this phrase, actually, I want, when you're alone. And then you can choose to voice it aloud or not, depending on how much it matters to you. Many of my clients think that they need to want the same thing as their sweetheart in order to feel pleasure together. But I've watched couples light up their adventurous lives and their sex lives when each person is truest to their personal desire. Staying true to your personal desire brings vitality and energy to your relationship. We've talked about how you defer your desire because of confusion. We've talked about how you defer your desire because you want to belong to the herd. And we'll talk about the vulnerability of pleasure next week when we discuss the other critical part of owning your own orgasm, your ability to receive.
We've arrived at our date night discussion segment. This week, take turns announcing your differing desires with your sweetheart. Make it light and easy and fun. When you practice hearing how your sweetheart's desire differs from yours, it keeps your life fun and exciting. So practice with super low cost things like condiments. I like ketchup. Well, I like horseradish. (laughs) And when you can make a game of it, it lightens it up. Talk about the seasons. I like winter. I like summer. Or clothing. I like layers. I like basketball shorts. Or exercise. I like running. I like tennis. Movies. I like rom-coms. I like sci-fi. Play around with categories. Toss this out as a fun habit when you're making dinner. I like noodles. I like sauce. Have fun preferring different things while you keep announcing what pleases you. And you will get better and better and better at noticing precisely, exactly, definitively what lights you up. That's it for today. I'm Rebecca Mullen, and this has been Habits for Your Happily Ever After, where we get clear about your marriage communication. Because when your relationships are strong, you're better able to concentrate at work, reduce conflict at home, and receive support for your dreams so you can have the courage to live your best life. If you enjoyed this podcast, I'd be grateful if you'd send a link to your friend. Habits for Your Happily Ever After is produced by Grace Smith. All our music and sound comes from Walk West Productions. I'm Rebecca Mullen. Thanks for including me in your relationship today.